The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Today on Kroll Call, after 37 years, Tony Geary has said goodbye to his role as Luke Spencer on ABC's General Hospital. But is the Emmy-winning actor already planning his return? And were the show's head-writing changes really necessary? Plus, CBS wants to know what fans of The Young and the Restless think of the show, and Days of Our Lives is rebooting itself for its 50th anniversary. But are these changes too little, too late? Plus, somehow, The Bold and the Beautiful is pulling off surprises that no one knew about. That's what we'll be talking about today on a soap-centric edition of Kroll Call. Everybody, welcome to another edition of Kroll Call. I am your host, Dan Kroll, and we are back early this week from our summer break. I've come back from Kroll Manor, where I've been vacationing, resting up for our next season coming up in September. But there are a lot of things that have been going on in the world of daytime soaps. The departure of a legend, some firings, some surprises, and murder. Or maybe it wasn't murder. We'll talk about that in the course of today's show. But on a more serious note, the reason that I'm back is because this week's guest announced that he would be here on the show before he even asked me if he could be a guest. He is the always bossy, yet somehow still charming, Richard Sims, the executive editor of Soaps in Depth magazine. He is also a contributor here on Curl Call. Richard... You better have called me back from summer vacation for something good. Well, look, dude. I mean, we've got, uh, you know, the the departure of Tony Geary, the change of head writers at General Hospital, the death of, of Allie Forrester, a whole new days of our lives on the horizon. I'm sure something is happening at The Young and the Restless. I just felt like, I felt like, I felt like, you needed to be here, and I felt like the only way I could do it was by going on my show and saying that you had already basically <laughs> signed a contract with me, promising. So, yeah, I used a little bit of nefarious. I was a little nefarious, but it worked, because here we are. It's very sneaky. However, I will say, for those of you out there who are listeners of Curl Call, the show, of course, began way back in the early days of the internet back in 2010 as Soap Central Live. The show was all things soap, all soap all the time. And sort of over the course of the last year or so, we have been transitioning to talk about other things so that we can talk about other things that were passionate, be it in the world of daytime or outside the world of daytime. I know a lot of you out there who are listening don't just eat drink and breathe soap so the show is sort of transformed into curl call to do some of that however we never forget where we came from and it is soaps and 
General Hospital has really been the soap that I would say a lot of people are talking about. I've gotten emails from some of you out there and, and text messages and the Twitters and the Instagrams and all sorts of things from people who are no longer really active, regular viewers of General Hospital, but they tuned in to see the farewell of Tony Geary as Luke Spencer, 37 years off and on, not really 37 consecutive years, but that's an asterisk. And Richard, the people who have messaged me, I don't like to start the show off on on a womp womp, but I'm going to tell you, almost everyone who messaged me asked if they were really sure that this was the last episode for Tony Geary because there weren't the montages. He was only in maybe 10%. That might be generous of the show. Richard, people weren't... There definitely weren't 30 million viewers tuning in for this. No. Well, we don't know how many tuned in, but we do know that a lot of the people who did were disappointed. Um, you know, I part of me thinks that what ended up happening was someone at ABC made the decision that, you know, we've basically spent the last 10 weeks saying farewell to him. You know, we've had, we, we've had Luke with, with Ethan, Luke with Holly, Luke with Lucky, Luke, you know, we, we've had, they've actually done 10 weeks of storyline, which was basically one big goodbye. And so when it came time for the actual final, final episode, it didn't seem like they needed to do that big thing. And and I certainly don't have any beef with that, if that was the decision they made. But the problem is that they then turn around and super-duper promoted the final episode. Now, if I'm, if I'm watching, you know, Grey's Anatomy or whatever, Mistresses, I guess, since it's summer now, and I see an advertisement and I say, oh, you know what? The final episode, yeah, I really want to tune in. I'm sure they'll do something special for him. And I get the only people that he shared themes with in the final episode, which aired Monday, was uh, Sonny and Lulu. That was it. And if I tuned in for that, and there was, as you mentioned, no montage, no, you know, no big thing that was going to make me cry, then I'm going to be very disappointed by that. Ironically, that same day, that same episode, the same day that they aired Tony Geary's last episode, happened to be one of the other big stories we're going to talk about in a little bit, which was um, the follow-up to the death of Allie Forrester. And there, in saying goodbye to Allie and her portrayer, Ashlyn Pierce, they did exactly what we're talking about. They had, you know, they had montages, and there was weeping, and it was, and it was a big deal. So it's kind of funny to me that, that the, the parallel that you can draw there between what the Bold and the Beautiful did to say farewell to one of its arguably a legacy character, even though she's only been on a little while, she's a, ma- a main member, uh, a member of one of the legacy families, and what General Hospital did for the final episode mm-hmm. of a literal icon. Right. And for those of you who are wanting to hear about The Bold and the Beautiful, we'll be talking about that coming up in the next segment, and then we'll be talking about The Young and the Restless and Days of Our Lives as well. So this is really an hour of all things soap, so stay tuned if you're not hearing the soap that you want to talk about. With that, though, B&B was pushed today, so this really wouldn't have uh, originally sort of conflicted with Tony Geary's goodbye. I wonder if that would be by design. Turned out to be an interesting, as you said, a good comparison. But I want to say that there could have been a way... 
if this was the episode that they were hoping people would tune into and get rehooked on GH, Richard, I think that the way to have done it would have been to really try to dovetail Luke's farewell into some of the stories that are existing. For example, with uh, the Valerie and the Dante affair, they could have perhaps had Luke in his discussion with Sonny recall the time that he'd had an affair and dovetailed that. Or, for example, with the storyline of Nina being sent to think that she's a crazy person. Perhaps Luke could have been talking about something that he'd done in his past that he was not proud of. And then, you know, dovetail it over and make it clear that there are some similarities between storylines past, storylines present, so that at least if you're having all of these other people that people don't know necessarily, they could have found a way to make it make sense, to have it engage with the story that people really were tuning in for, and then maybe they would have looked the other way when there wasn't a montage. Although there was a farewell singing song at the end, I guess, kind of. Yeah, you know, honestly, I think that would have felt really forced. Really? And I, it might have, yeah, I, I'm not a big fan of, and, and you know, Primetime does this as well. You know, let's say it's, let's say it's uh, Grey's Anatomy, for lack of a, a show. And let's say Derek and Meredith are in the process of a divorce. And coincidentally, the patient of the week happens to be somebody who just went through the same thing. You know, I, I, that oh, well, grates on me. That's I different. That's, I mean, that's bringing in somebody who has nothing to do with the story. I'm talking about if you've already got... Here's the, the thing for me. If you're going to do a farewell, for me, it should have been 60 minutes or, or 47 oh, or whatever of Tony Geary farewell, and it should have been everybody, and they should have, you know, carted in everybody who they could have. They should have gotten a, gotten a dispensation to get Greg Vaughn to come over from days for a day so they could pretend to have all the luckies. They should have found Julie Berman, gotten her back, and done, you know, some sort of sneaky thing like they did with all the Carlies a, a couple of years back. They should have done 60 minutes, but if you're not going to, and you're going to have something, I would rather find a way to at least make it somewhat some sort of a semblance of, of sense than to have it be as completely disjointed as it is where the highlight is Maxi and Madeline. Madeline, a character that really nobody cares about in terms of longevity. She's only been there a bit. Um, I don't know. I just I feel like all the emphasis was on other things and it wasn't on the things that should have been. I do completely agree with that and I thought it was interesting that you know, when you do something like this, and again, they poured a lot of money into advertising this. They were getting coverage on, you know, Entertainment Tonight, and a lot of mainstream news outlets were doing stories about Tony Geary's last day. And so, so it's very, you don't do this unless you're assuming that a lot of people are going to tune in. And yet, they didn't even construct an episode that push aside the fact that Tony Geary was a very small part of it. They didn't even construct an episode that was particularly you know, compelling as far as things that would get a viewer to tune in the next day. You know, as far as, you know, I would have built an episode with like five cliffhangers at the end so that, you know, yes, sure, we would still run off, we would still end with sing song as, as Luke walks off into the fog, but, I, but before that scene, I would have had like five different cliffhangers where somebody who was just tuning in would say, I have got to watch tomorrow. You know, I I don't know this show from anything, but I need to find out what happens next. And I really didn't feel that, that there was that sense when the episode was over. If you are just tuning into the show, 
I'm Dan Kroll. This is Kroll Call. We are chatting this week with Richard Sims. We're talking about soaps this hour, talking right now about the exit of squillion Emmy winner Tony Geary from General Hospital, where he played the role of Luke Spencer. 30 million people watched the wedding of Luke and Laura, something that didn't necessarily sit well with Tony Geary. He in interviews, said that he would have sort of maybe preferred to go out with a bang and have his character killed off for all time. That didn't happen. And Tony Geary went on a, oh, Richard, shall we call it a tirade? Shall we call it a hissy fit? Shall we call it whatever we'll call it? He was very unhappy. I I would say he burned bridges. And, you know, honestly, I thought that it was... I hate to say it, but I really thought it was incredibly disrespectful. You know, I, I thought that... I, I would like to think that if I were to ever, you know, leave after an extended run like that, that I would be classier than to sort of, I guess you're not biting the hand that feeds you, but bite the hand that fed you, you know. Um, one of the things that several people pointed out was he, he continually, in some of the interviews, um, trashed the legacy of Luke and Laura and how he hated that, you know, he, that he would forever, it would forever be not mm-hmm. just Luke, but Luke and Laura. And, you know, many people pointed out if it weren't for Luke and Laura, you wouldn't have had a 37 year legacy. That's very you true. Know, it, it, it wouldn't have happened. Uh, you know, Luke was only originally intended to be a very short term character. If it hadn't been for, for the magic that was created when these two characters were put together. Elizabeth Taylor, then, even now let's put it on yeah, her. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it, it just, I don't know. It, it just left such a bad taste in my but mouth. Here's the question. And I, I'm inclined to agree with you. I, I think that, uh, you know, so maybe it wasn't the ending that you wanted. At some point in time, you know, you don't own the character. There's someone else in play for there. I don't know that that's what fans would have wanted, but here's the the, the opposite argument for that. Would it have been better for Tony Geary to lie? For me, I've always thought that the, you know, a no thank you goes a long way. If someone says something that you're completely opposed to, you know, if someone wanted to offer me Brussels sprouts, I would just simply say, oh, no, thank you. You know, you don't say, you're a crap cook. I don't want anything that comes out of your kitchen. You're horrible at a cook. You call yourself the chef. Like, I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't think to do that. To me, sometimes uh, a little goes a long way. But, you know, would you have wanted Tony Geary to say things that he didn't find to be true? Although, you know, I will say that in some of the ABC uh, promos that aired the day of his final appearance, he sang a completely different tune. You Maybe at the time that those were recorded, his paycheck hadn't cleared yet. Um, but he said, you know, it was a great run. He loved the story. He loved this. He loved that. And it's, it's I don't know, you know, is it just the fact that he felt comfortable with Michael Logan of, of TV Guide, of TV Insider, that he felt that he could say other things? What's the real deal? I honestly don't know. Um, you know, maybe it was maybe it was just a bad day. You know, sometimes you have a bad day and you say and you say decide to say things that you don't necessarily mean. Maybe it was how he he really felt. I mean, honestly, we did um, uh, we at Soaps and Depths did quite a few extensive interviews with him leading up to his uh, exit. And someone said to me, did you go through and edit out all the parts where he said, you know, all of the, the best? I'm like, no, he never said any of that, you know, it's so, 
Hmm. I don't know. I don't. I don't know how to explain it. You know. So let's uh, let's take it to then. Let's go to the next spot. That's sort of the elephant in the room in terms of talking about that. Ron Carlovati is no longer going to be the head writer of General Hospital. It does, whether coincidentally or otherwise, come about a week or so. The announcement of that uh, Ron would no longer be head writer comes after. Tony Geary gave that sensational interview where he never referred to Ron Carlovati by name, called him the writer, um, asserted that they'd never really spoken, said a lot of things that were not positive, and there are people who are drawing a, a sort of a line from the two saying that had it not been for that interview, um, you know, for me myself, I've been wondering had Tony Geary found out that Ron Carlovati would not be head writer sooner, would he have continued to leave? Would he have given that interview? Sort of a lot of questions, but at the same time, I don't, I don't know. I, I'm at a point now where I'm not entirely sure how I feel about this particular change. I'm excited about the change, not in that I'm excited to see Ron leave. I mean, I really like Ron. I have a really good relationship with him. I got to interview him. One of the, one of the highlights of my job for the last couple of years has been that um, every two weeks or so, sometimes a little bit longer, but every two weeks or so, I interview him for our cover stories, and I love talking to him. I love talking story with him. I love, I just, I really like him. I think he's just a great guy. He's very creative. What a great um, part of your, what a great part of your job that must be to be it, able to do it that. It is awesome because you know there's it's one thing to see a story play out. It's 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 another thing to you know one of one of the great joys has been I've had a lot of off the record conversations with him where I've been able to sort of say okay this story how did it work out like did it work out the way you imagined did it go the way you hmm. thought what didn't work I I mean I I just I love that kind of thing it's just it's it, getting inside the brain of someone who brings a show that I love to life has been you know just. And, and I've talked to other writers over the years, but this was really the closest closest relationship I've ever had with a head writer. And I absolutely love it, and I value it and treasure it. And um, so I, I think it's really important that we acknowledge that, you know, no matter what you think of what the show has become, no matter what you think of, you know, the ratings fall off and all that, it's really important to recognize a couple things. First of all, without Ron and Frank, if they hadn't stepped in, I don't think the show would still be on the air. I do agree. believe, I do believe that they they prevented the show from being canceled. I also think it's important to recognize that that the two of them brought back the nurses' ball, one of the most beloved things, um, one of the most beloved annual events in soaps, mm -hmm. and they brought that back and gave it to us. And I hope we continue to get that. I, you know, I. I Ron knows this. I have no problem saying this because he and I have talked about this. Um, I didn't love everything he did. There were stories I didn't like. There were sort of um, um, storytelling decisions that, that, that were made that I didn't care. I don't mean storytelling decisions. I mean sort of things that the show did on a regular basis. Like I, and, and, you know, he and I, people watched us interact on Twitter, so they know some of this. You know, like I would always point out that, oh, look, this is the fifth time this week that that someone had a conversation in a public place and got overheard, you know, like, like things that I felt they relied on a little bit too heavily, but that he believed, he genuinely believed were sort of necessary to the genre. They were sort of, you know, you know, 
their their way of moving stories forward. But I just think I think he's so creative, and you know I don't think any one of us has any idea. We can talk all the time about what we would do, what we would write, what storylines we would do, what storylines worked, what storylines didn't work. But we don't know what it's like to have to feed that mm-hmm. machine. We don't know, you know, 52 weeks a year. We don't know what other sources are saying, oh, yeah, no, you know, you need to do this, or you you have to put this particular type of story in, or you have to write this character even if you don't want to. We We will never know all of that. So it's it's kind of easy to be an armchair quarterback and say where things went wrong, and I mm-hmm. certainly have my opinions, and I know you have yours as well. But we'll never we'll never understand, like you know, we'll never be in that position. Ironically, I do agree. As we're coming to the end of this segment, I think that that's one of the issues that can hurt soaps in an unintentional way is the fact that there may be a really great story that someone comes up with in their head, however. The turnaround time, a lot of times, to make that happen is so short because there needs to be a new episode every weekday, every week of the year. And I don't necessarily know that anybody can put together something so quickly on on the drop of a hat. Now, for me, and I'm sure for you, there have been many a times where you guys have put out something, maybe a cover story, maybe a cover and after the fact, you thought, oh, my gosh, if only we had moved this image over or made this or changed this word, it would have been so much better. For me, things like that. Clearly, the- you have, clearly, you have never read the perfection <laughs> that is. Perfection Death Magazine, every well, issue perfect from beginning to end. Well, then, I will take some of the heat, and I will talk about what I do. Like, the year-end columns on SoapCentral.com, I know that they are coming every year. They come in December, ironically, every single year. And there's always after writing it. Someone will read it and point out and say, oh, but you didn't talk about so-and-so storyline. That was the best. Or so-and-so, that was the worst. It drove me crazy. And I think, oh, my gosh, I've had 12 months to write this. I forgot the one thing that I wanted to put in there. Oh, my God. 12 months. I agree. 12 months. Because we do the same thing. You know, we do best and worst list, and and we do the the, the year in review where we look back at all the plots and stuff. And, and we run favorite quotes of the year, 12 year, twelve months to put it together. And don't you know that every November it's like, oh, crap, we have to put this together. You know, when, <laughs> how easy would it be to just sit down and like once every two weeks say, okay, here are some things I need to remember for the year in review. Every year. Every year. Well, every year on a soap, there is at least one death. Some take, some don't. We're going to be talking about one that appears to really be taking when we come back after this break stay tuned everybody a special soap edition of curl call will be right back streaming live the leader in internet talk radio voiceamerica.com hey soap fans are you looking for the inside scoop on your favorite daytime drama series well for 20 years now soap fans have looked no further than soapcentral.com EverydaySoapCentral.com has comprehensive daily recaps of all the happenings on your favorite soap operas. You can take a peek ahead with the scoop for spoilers and previews or share your thoughts with other soap fans from around the world on our bustling message boards. 
If you're looking for a little history or just looking to settle a bet with a friend, check out hundreds of character profiles and actor biographies. Now you'll know who slept with who, who's related to who, and of course, who's come back from the dead the most times. Plus, there are exclusive interviews, red carpet coverage of the daytime Emmys, and much, much more. So whether you're watching The Young and the Restless, Days of Our Lives, General Hospital, or The Bold and the Beautiful, or if you're reflecting on some of the soaps that are no longer with us, SoapCentral.com will keep you tuning in tomorrow. Now let's get back to more of this week's Crow Call. Welcome back to our fun soap edition of Kroll Call. It's me. It's Dan Kroll. You may know me from such websites as, oh, I don't know, SoapCentral.com or KrollCall.com or even DanJKroll.com. I'm joined this week by Richard Sims. He is the guru. He is the person who gets to talk to all the fun people and do sorts of great things at Soaps In Depth. Richard, welcome back. Thank you. I have to correct you, though. Really, Ron Carlovati is the only fun person I can talk to, unless you count Charlie or Dawn, my 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 coworkers. Um, Ahem. Ahem. Oh, right, and of course Dan Dan J. Cole. Woo! Uh, yeah, and him. <laughs> uh, but you know, that's I really. It, it's funny that I ended up talking to Ron because I don't generally do interviews. I mean, I do a couple, like, you know, I'm, gonna, I'm setting up something with Maura West, things like that, but for the most part, I don't do that. That's why I'm so, you know, happy and excited and thrilled that that for the past year and a half, talking to Ron has been part of my job. That's, like, it's probably one of the highlights of my, of the 20 years that I've been doing this. It's It really literally is. I think it's really hard for anyone to have a constant or continually increasing energy level at any job that they've held for a long period of time. There are days where I tell you everything that I try to write seems like it's written by a four-year-old whose (laughs) first language is not even English. And you sit there and I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, you can't write. What are you doing? You're horrible. Uh, And there are other days where I write things that are, you know, just genius. And I think, wow. Good for you. Oh, um, okay, people. Most people don't consider puns to be genius. I do. Those people who I don't. Know you do. Those I people know you who do. who don't think that are just disingenuous and mean, and I don't know what they are. <laughs> uh, I I have words for them, but they're not suitable for an all-purpose family broadcast like Crow Call. So well, then fine. Maybe we should talk about soap. <laughs> all right, we can. I say all that to say that. With The Bold and the Beautiful, which we're going to be talking about now, and coming up with Days of Our Lives a little bit later in the show, they are helmed by someone who has been there for an extended period of time. In the case of The Bold and the Beautiful, it's Brad Bell. And there have been times in the past where people have said, you know what, he maybe he needs to, to take a break, bring in some other people, bring in some new uh, some new ideas, because it's it's clear again. This is this is the word that's been on the street and the internet, just sort of to set up this interview. Um, and people said, you know, maybe it's the fact that you're there every day, and it's tough to be able to to constantly have fresh ideas and move forward and do things when you're doing it every single day, and, and don't get a chance to to rest your your brain. 
And you know what he says to that? He says, take a look at what I did to Allie, you little punk. <laughs> exactly. You want, you, want, you, want, you want to be caught up. You want, you want fresh soap opera. You want to be knocked off your chair. Boom. Allie Forrester is dead. But even that, I mean, you have the stunning twist a couple of months ago that Maya is transgender. So there have been a lot of things. I mean, there there for a while, there were a couple of years where The Bold and the Beautiful was very heavy on the social message. We had some cancer issues. We had uh, homelessness issues. We had a, a lot of things that people orphans. thought. Orphan. You know, people that people Orphans said, who age out of the system. Remember that? <laughs> yes. Shane uh, the Virgin. <laughs> <laughs> we had a lot of things. We had all of that that people thought, okay, you know, the, the rest of the year is people eating berries and having sex and being crazy and then they have you know one or two episodes out of their Emmy reels and this is why they're winning now that has all been sort of turned upside down I'm not entirely sure what has happened at the bold and the beautiful not saying that it wasn't entertaining before I'm saying that the world's most watched soap at the moment is probably one of the best shows daytime or primetime I don't know. I mean, it's it, the the very fact that Allie was killed off. For those of you who are who are listening and may not be the bold and the beautiful fans, there was a character very central. Her name was Allie. She was a little uh, cuckoo, I guess is the way. Bonkers. Something bonkers. Something wasn't quite making a full connection. Um, she didn't get the treatment that she needed. She attempted to kill another character named. Steffi, uh, scuffle, scuffle, side of the road, there were rocks, there were tire irons, bim, bam, boom, Allie fell, hit her head, she's no longer with us, she is really, really gone, and the discussion now, outside of the fact is, oh my god, why did they kill her off, how did they kill her off, how did no one know, there's also discussion of, was it justified, should Steffi be sent up the river, these are all the things that Richard Sims was, was going to answer now in the course of one sentence, go. Just say yes. <laughs> you can get that's a couple my, sentences. That's How about that? To, that's my tribute to Tina from from Bob's Burgers. Uh, <laughs> well, um, well, okay. First of all, yes, I, I have said this repeatedly since it happened, but massive kudos to the Bold and the Beautiful for pulling this off. I mean, a lot of times either people figure things out in advance, like with, with the Maya secret, a lot of the audience had, you know, sort of jumped ahead and kind of put the pieces together and said, really, are they really going to go there? No, they did not. Um, I did not see one person say that on the internet. I actually did see oh, people really? that, that, that put that together. I'm not saying a lot of people, but there were people. And that's true of almost every soap story. Is the audience, at least part of the audience gets there. They may not know, but they're pretty sure. Mm -hmm. No one no one. I did not see a single person say, oh, I knew this was coming. No one knew. And and what's, what's amazing about this is, when I say no one, I mean no one, including the media. You know, we didn't know. We had no clue. They sent out fake teasers. They sent out misleading recaps. They totally pulled it off, and I think that is amazing. I love when I can be reduced to a total, just, just, I can be just as blind as, as, your, as any soap fan who avoids spoilers. I had no clue. It, it, was, it was so incredibly powerful because I did not know it's Well, coming. let me jump I in, know. though, and, and compare that. We talked about the Tony Geary thing that was promoted 
ad nauseum and turned out to be, well, I really didn't need to tune into this. Here's something that happened that was earth-shattering that people who weren't watching regularly may have completely missed the episode. Now they have to go to the CBS All Access or, you know, check their TiVo or do whatever they need to do. Does it cut both ways? If you don't tell people something is coming, you don't get the buzz and the buildup. No, I don't think it does, and here's why. Because when you when you do things like this, when you do things like the Maya reveal, when you do things like this, you get a reputation of you have to watch this show every day. Hmm. They're not going to tell you when you have to watch it. You have to watch it. And, and that goes right back to one of the things that I talk about a lot with General Hospital, which is I feel as if General Hospital, because of its endless repetition, um, very, very, you know, exposition-heavy dialogue um, and, and a lot of flashbacks, they are mentoring people that they don't have to watch every day. They are telling people, if you don't watch, it's okay, we're going to tell you endlessly what you missed. Whereas The Bold and the Beautiful is telling you, hey, guess what? Even the soap press didn't know about this. So if they didn't know and they have to watch every day, you sure as heck have to watch every day. Yes, you may miss out on that one day, you know, that, that bump that you get from publicizing it. It's also, it, it's also kind of a little bit of an issue as far as publicity because, you know, Eva Bassler, who's the uh, really, really fun, awesome publicist over at the Bold and the Beautiful, mm-hmm. is in a weird position because on the one hand, she wants covers. For, for, but, but magazine coverage and newspaper coverage and mainstream coverage and things like that hangs on story points, you know, like if you look at the cover of, of whether it's us or, or you know, um, say Time Magazine is going to do a soap opera story, they're going to hang it on a big soap plot. Mm-hmm. But you don't want to reveal Maya is transgender. You don't want to reveal Allie, Allie dies. So, you know, it's, it's, it's a catch-22 as far as being able to sort of publicize the show. So, so it's post-publicity. Kind of I think the show publicizes itself. Do you think that post-publicity is better or the same as pre-publicity in the sense that everyone talking about, oh my gosh, they killed off Allie, is that more powerful than, say, the cover of a magazine that says, one of these five people will die? I do. I do think it's more powerful um, because I think, I mean, look at, look at the week after they revealed that Maya was transgender. Every media outlet in the country was screaming to get their attention. They, for, for two weeks after that, Carla Mosley was being interviewed like 10 times a day. Um, so, so, yeah, I think the ability to surprise, the ability, I think keeping it under your hat and being able to, to put it out there. It's funny because I know that when I watched Thursday's episode, which was the episode in which um, at the end of the episode, the paramedics came and mm-hmm. they put their, you know, they put their hands against Allie's thing and they shook their heads. And then you saw uh, 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 Ivy and, and Steffi basically like screaming, no, she can't be dead. And I know I'm not the only person in the audience who said, yeah, right, no, tomorrow they're going to tell us that this is a fake-out. You know, they've done that before when we all thought that Sheila was arrested on the runway and it turned out to be Sheila's dream. Bold and Beautiful has, you know, or when Quinn stabbed Brooke and it turned out not to be, I mean, mm-hmm. Bold and Beautiful has done this before. So, you know, they, I think they really got, it'll be interesting to see the ratings when they do the day-by-day breakdown and see, you know, did people tell their friends, oh my God, you won't believe this, they killed Allie, and people tuned in the next day. 
I mean, it doesn't matter in the long run, really, because as you mentioned, The Bold and the Beautiful is the most popular soap opera in the world, literally. Not like how we sometimes throw things around like, you know, I am the coolest guy in the world, or <laughs> you are the best punster in the world. But, but I am. Literally, <laughs> you are, and I am. But literally, The Bold and the Beautiful is the most popular show in the world. They could get a 0.1 rating in the United States, and they would still continue to make it because it's so popular all around the world. So then the next question becomes, what do you do with this story so that Allie's death does not have to be in vain? There are other stories on other soaps where characters have been killed off. We talked about G.H. Let's a little Jake many, many moons ago was plowed over by a DUI Luke that was undone as part of Luke's exit. You had stories, for example, on All My Children, the first legalized abortion that was later undone, and they said, well, the the fetus was transplanted into someone else. You have a lot of things that are... <laughs> that still makes me giggle. All these years later, that still makes me giggle. <laughs> I'm glad that you can find medical Possibilities. I'm glad you find them amusing. I, I do medical impossibilities every day of my life. My sometimes. life is a medical impossibility. <laughs> <laughs> but that aside, Dr. Frankenstein, I, I mean, what do we do here? If now, let's say they go through all of this and in a week, you know, Allie's in a secret room somewhere laughing because Steffi gets hauled off for murder. Does that diminish? This is for people who are listening. This is all just me hypothetical story telling kind of thing this is this is not anything that that's true this is just me bringing it forward and and fyi just so you know it is definitely not true because i have been assured that uh you know the first thing i did was call was was basically check over at bold and beautiful and be like you know come on is she really dead she's not really dead and they're like no she's really most sincerely dead (laughs) so uh but but i agree um especially since Allie is a legacy character. I felt bad for Windsor Harmon because, like, he comes and mm-hmm. kicks him in for a day, and boom, they kill off his last, like, I mean, yeah, sure, he's still a forester. But what but a great job he did. What a oh great, great God. job. Fantastic, and it really made me say we need to bring him back on this canvas and give him a better, you know, some better story. I mean, like, I would love to see them play Thorn sort of, you know, um, sort of seeking vengeance against Steffi. The question becomes how long they play the, the you know, Steffi being accused of murder. Mm-hmm. We all know that she fell and hit her head, you know. Um, I, I thought it was... The thing I'm seeing the most controversy about right now is something that I understand why there's controversy, and I also think it was incredibly real. And that was the fact that Allie whipped out her phone and taped what happened. You mean Ivy? You know, uh, Ivy, sorry. Uh, yes, Ivy whipped out her phone and videotaped the, the death. And it's weird because on the one hand, that's very real. Mm-hmm. How many times do you, I mean, I mean, I mean it's, it's very all-call. To, you know, we, we hear all the time about people who, if some, something bad is happening, and instead of, like, stepping in, for some reason, our brain says, oh, get this on tape, and we record it, which is horrific and says terrible things about us as a, as a, as a species, but it is, it is something that we do. Um, but we all know that, she, you know, Steffi didn't really kill her. Uh, I, I will be interested to see what they do with this, because you're right. If you're going to kill a legacy character like Allie, there should be some form of, you know, impact. I almost wish that they hadn't yet had Maya and Rick suddenly become, you know, these saints 
and that this was what motivated them to become better people, that they looked at it and they were like, wow, some of the stuff we did might have helped push her over the edge. I really wish they were continuing to play them as sort of the obnoxious people they have they had been for a while and let this be what what changed them as opposed to, you know, Rick wins Maya back and suddenly he's okay with being second in command and he loves everybody. <laughs> So perhaps Allie's legacy will be she appears as a floating bubblehead to Thorn. <laughs> Too soon? Too soon? No, I like it. I like it. She it, can it, tell it, Thorn that, to, good. you know, kill people. Interesting that, I mean, it, it's possible, but I, I would have hoped early on that they could have played a beat about Ridge losing a child. Um, that didn't happen. Uh, as, as far as the time that we're talking, uh, it would have been interesting to see them address the fact that Phoebe died. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A twin. I would like to have seen, you know, there's a part of me that would actually like to see uh, Jacqueline McInnes would tr- be a twin. That would be entertainful. Well, the, the, other thing that I, the other thing that I really wish they had played um, was as Allie was starting to sort of spin out of control, and let's face it, there's a lot of blame to go around. I mean, she was having meltdowns at meetings, and people were like, um, pass the lemon bars. You know, like, they didn't even, they didn't even, like, like they, they should have called Thorne immediately and been like, oh, look, there's some trouble here, and they didn't need to wait until they found her, her, like, you know, Steffi, Steffi's death vision board. But one of the things I would have loved for them to play is, as she was spiraling out of control, have Oliver sort of be going to Allie, who was, I mean, Ivy, who was Allie's best friend, and saying, I don't know how to deal with this. I don't know how to deal with this. And slowly but surely, play an Allie, Ivy, uh, Allie, Ivy, Ollie. Say that three times real fast. Oliver, triangle. You know, I thought that would have been a really fun triangle to play, but instead they killed her. (laughs) All right, gang, let's try it. Ivy, Allie, Ollie. I, what are we saying? Is that what we're saying? Ivy Ali Ali, Ivy Ali Ali, Ivy Ali Ali. Uh, Fine, I have, you're better than me in every way. Remind me yet again. I do like that. Thank you for letting me know that. We have more things to talk about, soap fans. We have to take a quick break, but when we come back, we're going to find out what happens when a network asks you for your opinions on a show, and we'll talk about the apparent turnaround the amazing turnaround of another soap that was not doing so well stay tuned our hour of soaps on Crawl call will be right back the internet's number one talk station number one talk station voiceamerica.com Hey, Soap fans, are you looking for the inside scoop on your favorite daytime drama series? Well, for 20 years now, Soap fans have looked no further than SoapCentral.com. Every day, SoapCentral.com has comprehensive daily recaps of all the happenings on your favorite soap operas. You can take a peek ahead with the scoop for spoilers and previews or share your thoughts with other Soap fans from around the world on our bustling message boards. If you're looking for a little history or just looking to settle a bet with a friend, check out hundreds of character profiles and actor biographies. Now you'll know who's slept with who, who's related to who, and of course, who's come back from the dead the most times. Plus, there are exclusive interviews, red carpet coverage of the daytime Emmys, and much, much more. So whether you're watching The Young and the Restless, Days of Our Lives, General Hospital, or The Bold and the Beautiful, or if you're reflecting on some of the soaps that are no longer with us, SoapCentral.com will keep you tuning in tomorrow. Now, let's get back to more of this week's Kroll Call. Hey, 
everybody, we are back with more of this week's episode of Crow Call. It's the Brought Me Out of My Summer Vacation episode where we're talking about all things soap. We have talked about General Hospital, the retirement, or we don't call it that because that's not what he wants to, but I'll call it the retirement, the exit of Tony Geary from General Hospital, and the hiring of new head writers for the show. We've also talked about the bold and the beautiful surprising everybody, including my guest this week, Richard Sims, with the death of Allie. And now, Richard, we're going to talk about something that I know that you have an interesting opinion on because I do as well. You know, there are a lot of polls and things that magazines and websites do to get fan reaction. Richard, a network, that means CBS, has asked fans to weigh in with their thoughts on what's going on on The Young and the Restless. Is this genius or is this just asking for trouble? Well, Honestly, it's kind of pointless. I mean, you know, if you really want fans' opinions, it's not like they're not putting them out there every day, you know, um, whether on Twitter or message boards or in magazines. I mean, there's no there's no lack of places for you to get their opinions. So I'm not sure what is real. what this is really, you know, I, I don't get the point of it. Do you? I mean, I do, I guess, and it's interesting, and only because you know, people will sort of get the the parallels of this, uh, and there's also a, a completely different twist to it. CBS, I believe, did the same thing at one point in time for As the World Turns and Guiding Light. Both of those shows are no longer with us, and I'm not saying this to say that the oh, Young and the Lord, Restless is in danger. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm no. I'm saying that the those two shows were in completely different places when CBS asked for people's opinions. The Young and the Restless is at what six, seven year highs in the ratings. When As the World Turns and Guiding Light fans were asked, the shows were in different places where they needed to do something to, you know, basically save those shows. So with Y&R being number one, they have a new writer, relatively speaking. They have ratings that are high. One would probably wonder, what do they care what the fans are thinking? Because the ratings are up, so clearly people are tuning in. And in fact, the Young and the Restless, their ratings are being boosted by younger viewers, which are the ones that all the advertisers want in the first place. So to that end, I'm wondering, does it really matter? The people who have conspiracy theories that you raised aren't talking anything about cancellation. They're asking, is this some sort of way to get rid of Chuck Pratt, Charles Pratt Jr. as a head writer for The Young and the Restless, and I don't necessarily think that that's the case either. I can't imagine why they would want to. The ratings are up, you know? I mean, I, I, it's interesting. It's an interesting phenomenon because you see, um, it's, you know, we're, you know when, you're, when you're active on Twitter, mm-hmm. when you're looking at comments and things like that, you continually see dissatisfaction with with several stories unfolding on the end of the restless, and yet the ratings are going up. I, I I think that's why this whole thing confuses me because a you know this this, this level of storyline dissatisfaction is out there. It's impossible to ignore. Absolutely. You know? um, so it, it, it's definitely out there. Why are you suddenly you know seeking this feedback? when you know that the, that this is the feedback that's out there. And I, I guess I just, I really don't understand the point of it, you know? Um, I, again, there's, there's, there's plenty of ways for you to get viewer feedback. 
I'm, I don't know. It's, it's a little bit baffling. Is this a way that to put it out there? Certainly, the people who are dissatisfied with the show or have issues are having zero hesitations in sharing their opinions. Is this a way to get people who are happy with the show to weigh in and then you sort of call out all of the the stuff that's negative and look at just for the people who are satisfied to find out what's sort of sticking with them and then maybe you take a cursory glance at the things that people didn't like to see what's going um, I looked at the survey I suppose that's possible but that's exactly the same thing that you could do you know you could do that anyway I mean you could look through Twitter and say oh yeah but, you know 5,654 people are upset about this but look these three like this but, here's, but the thing with it though too is that and for those of you who are just tuning in. You're listening to Kroll Call. I'm Dan Kroll. We're chatting with Richard Sims of Soaps in Depth magazine. We're talking about CBS putting out a survey for fans of The Young and the Restless to sort of gauge what they feel about Y&R. But to that, Richard, with this, this isn't just a survey that was buried somewhere in a tweet or a press release um, that's saved for canceling long-term favorite soap operas, apparently. Um, Sorry, still bitter, even years later. Um, (laughs) This is something, I mean, they've run a scroll at the bottom of the show, so they're not trying to hide this. They're apparently wanting to get as many people to weigh in on this as possible. Uh, I'm, I've had in the past where things have been posted on Soap Central that uh, publicists have said, hey, you know what, we don't really want to give it all this play. Would you consider downplaying or not tweeting it as much? Mm-hmm. This, no one has said anything. I mean, we have it as a, a banner on the site that said, hey, CBS wants to hear from you. I've tweeted it. I've Facebooked it. I've, I've told people who I know who watch the show who maybe aren't internet savvy. I've told a lot of people. And I've gotten nothing from CBS in any way that and indicates. I, and again, I I just simply don't understand it. I don't. I mean, there's nothing wrong with it. It's a great idea. I'm. I love stuff like that. I, I just. I don't know. I guess I just don't understand it. The only thing I can think is they. Okay, I may have just put it together. I may have just figured this whole thing. <laughs> I'm so out. glad I could help. We. A, a while back, we did a cover with Hillary and Devon, and uh, I don't remember exactly what the cover line was, but let's say it was something like, you know, uh, disaster for heaven, heaven, you know, however you pronounce it when you put their names together, their squish name, heaven. <laughs> uh, and we got letters from people saying, are you people idiots? You spelled heaven wrong. It's gotcha. H-E-A-V, you know. And, and we started to, at the office, we started to have this conversation about the fact that there are two different soap audiences. There is the very savvy soap audience, or very, very Twitter and internet savvy audience, and then there's, you know, the audience that's not on Twitter. Now, CBS especially skews older. Mm-hmm. If, you look at, if you look at my two Twitter feeds, Soaps and Death ABC has uh, about 80,000 followers. If you look at Soaps and Death CBS, even though those shows are more popular, we only have about maybe 18,000 followers there. So maybe what this is, maybe by scrolling it on the screen, what they're trying to do is they're trying to get feedback from people who aren't normally on the Internet, who have to be actually led to the Internet, like go here and fill out this survey so that they can compare. You know, okay, we know that the people on Twitter are unhappy, but what are what are average viewers who aren't on Twitter? What are or, or aren't on Facebook? You know, what are the non-internet viewers thinking? Maybe that's what this is all about: is trying to trying to sort of get responses 
from people Mm -hmm. who aren't internet savvy. I will say that my mom will call me on occasions and will say that she's looking at that Richards magazine. I would assume that would be (laughs) you. And she'll say, oh, did you know that Bo is coming back to Days of Our Lives? Mm Mm-hmm. I say, um, well, a yes, mom, because you know that's sort of what I do. Uh, that's the day job. That's what pays the bills and takes us to Disney World and and such. But I, I mean, I, I guess it's true. I mean, I, my mom is internet savvy. I mean, the fact that she sends text messages is amazing to me. But I mean, maybe maybe you're right. There are a lot of people who. I mean, I guess if they don't buy the magazines, they maybe read them while they're at the supermarket or see the commercials when they're watching their soaps and see headlines and things like that. But for that audience of a certain age that isn't on the internet or maybe doesn't even read the magazines, they may not know. So when they see something that I guess it is sort of surprising, you know, maybe for my mom, and we are going to transition into talking about Days of Our Lives now, my mom is a diehard Days fan. She's made no uh, secret to hide that as she's been on the show and mentioned it in the past. But... Even she has said to me, she said, you know, I, I think after all this time of watching Days of Our Lives, I'm going to have to stop because her words, I think she said the show is kind of stinky. And, you know, if she didn't have that outlet, if she couldn't talk to me about it, if this wasn't, you know, my job wasn't soap related, she wouldn't really have anyone to tell that to. No one's asking her opinion. So I don't know that she would know how to, to have that outlet to talk about things. Mm-hmm. So, you know, maybe that is it. Maybe there are a lot of people who don't have that someone to talk to like we do and to not have the opportunity to listen to a show like this or to listen to a show like yours or read Soaps in Depth or go to Soap Central. Um, well, it's interesting. I would be interested in knowing, for example, you know, of those people who I interact with every day, who I, you know, tweet with every day, who are on our Facebook page, I'd be interested to know, do, you know, how many of those people read the magazine and how many of our, our readers are people who don't, you know, who, who you know, in this day and age, because we are um, we're a magazine. I mean, we also have a website and stuff, but mm-hmm. but the magazine itself, you know, by nature of the beast, it takes a while between when we finish the magazine and when it gets out. As opposed to if something breaks, you know, if 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 we find out something right now, we put it on the internet in five minutes. So I assume that a lot of the people who read the magazine. Um, either A, are doing it because they like the writing style, you know, like they like the humor. We try really hard to be, to, to take a different approach, to be very funny, to have mm-hmm. a lot of fun with stuff. Either they're reading it for that, or they are people who are not necessarily on the internet, and they want, you know, um, and, 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 and it is really their source of, of, of whether it's news or, you know, opinion pieces about soaps, stuff like that. Unfortunately, we are almost out of time, so I have four quick questions can all four soaps be great at the same time? Great question. I'd like to think yes, but I tend to think no. I think I think you can get three of them in great shape at the same time, great. And as long as which one is in bad shape rotates every, like, three or four weeks, that's okay, because people will sit through three or four weeks for the bad story. Which of the four soaps are you most concerned about at the moment? Days of our lives. Even uh, though they yeah. have great stuff coming for 50th. Yeah, they have great stuff coming for 50th, but... You can have the best stuff on the planet, but if people don't tune in to see it, it doesn't matter. Optimistic about what's ahead for GH with the changing of the guards? Do you think that uh, they have that time to be able to get everything back on track? I'm wildly optimistic about it because I think that um, um, Shelley Altman and Jean Passanante have a, 
have a really good sense of, they're really good at writing the kind of stuff that most people who seem to be unhappy with GH like. They're, they're good at playing romance, they're good at playing story beats, they're good at, you know, if, if they have one fault, at least uh, their fault when they were at Y&R most recently, it was sort of long-term story. So if they can get long-term story in, under, in hand and play beats, they're going to have no problem. The Young the Restless, CBS is asking for people's opinions in the long run. Do you think that they're really going to listen? Yes, I think I think if you don't, there's there's no point in asking. I think if you're not gonna if you're not gonna listen to what they're saying, then why are you even wasting your time? So yes, I do think that it's a sincere thing. The Bold and the Beautiful had a transgender reveal, and they killed off a major character. What do they do for an encore? Ooh, jeez, um, probably another foreign trip. You know, um, I mean, I think B and B really just keeps doing what it's doing. Um, you know, yes, they've had these big sort of big story points lately, but let's face it, that is not necessarily what B&B is all about. I mean, B&B does what it does very, very well and has for many years. It's family drama. Uh, you know, it's, it, it's good old-fashioned soap opera. It knows what it's doing. Hey, Brad Bell, if you're listening, uh, you can come to Kroll Manor anytime you'd like. I would love to have you come, and you can shoot a vacation there. It's it's much cheaper than going to Paris in the Netherlands. And Just I, watch out for the starfish. And I have snacks. So, I mean, what could you ask for? It's its own built-in craft service. Richard Sims, let everyone know where they can find you on the Internet. You know, I, I hate to use this phrase, but throw a dead cat and you're going to hit me. So uh, uh, you can find me. You can find me at Facebook.com/slash/trophy. You can find the magazine on Facebook. You can find me, or you can find the magazine at Soaps and Depth ABC on Twitter, Soaps and Depth CBS on Twitter, uh, or you can just you know send just basically hit send on the internet. You'll find its way to me. <laughs> that is true. The list of accounts is. Growing by the minute. Richard, thank you so much. (laughs) Thank you so much for taking... Wait a minute, you didn't take any time out. I took time out of my vacation to be here with you. So thank me for being with you, Richard. Oh, thank you for being with me, too. (laughs) (laughs) It will be... Hopefully, it won't be quite as long before we have you back. There are other things to talk about, certainly outside of the world of daytime. If you enjoy what Richard and I talk about on a regular basis, always check us out on Twitter at any of the accounts that he mentioned. You can find me at Dan J. Kroll. You can find the business account for me at Soap Central. And, of course, this show is at Kroll Call Show. And Richard and I have the wonderful opportunity to talk about things that aren't soap-related right here on Kroll Call, which I know that we've got some things in the works, those contracts are still out to be signed that's it for today i want to thank all of you for tuning in to listen to our hour of soaps we enjoyed it if you do please let us know and we can do it again until next time richard remember the next time the phone rings pick it up who could it be (laughs) well it could be the crow call (laughs) 